Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. All right. Well, caution. Temptations ahead. Be careful. Little eyes, ears, tongue, hands, feet, heart, and mind. All the little songs sung about. Even though it was a children's song, uh, it zeroes in on the topic today. Our final message in the series, Questions That Need Answering. Uh, this is a, Today, you can probably guess that temptation is going to be the theme. And the question is, how can I overcome temptation? And uh, I'm going to use a technique that's an old technique of answering a question with a question today because it really we need to have, uh, answer another question before we get to this one. It is, why should I overcome temptation? If you don't know the why, then you're not going to be very motivated to, to accomplish the how. Now, this is something that I'm sure most all of you have addressed in your life, you've dealt with, but it's some, one of these basic things that we really need to, to work on. Because the things that we look at, see, and hear, and touch, and think about, and, and walk where we go, there's temptations all around us, and we need to be cautious of that. So let me give you three verses of Scripture. I've got it written down at the bottom if you want to write the reference down. I'll read these, uh, but it really answers the question. There's really nothing to say after this. Uh, if you believe the Bible, and if you feel the Bible is trustworthy, then there is no other... Nothing else to say. Uh, if you don't, well, that's uh, your choice as well. But these three verses of Scripture clearly answer this. And they kind of roll one into another. Starting with 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know your body are, is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Spirit which is in you, whom you receive from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Romans 12, 1 starts off with that same, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Romans 6, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any part of your body to sin to be used as a weapon for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin should not rule over you, because you're not under the law but under grace. Amen? That pretty well clear clarifies it, is that uh, our bodies are bought and owned and purchased by God. They're the, the temple of His Holy Spirit. Uh, there to be pleasing and worshipful, our bodies to worship Him. We should not let sin reign in our body and not let it rule over us. Uh, so we can settle that question. Now we've got that behind us. Uh, if you don't want to believe those scriptures, well, that's your, your choice. But it settles the issue for us, I'm concerned. So let's come back to our original question. How can I, how can you 
overcome the temptations that constantly berate us. Temptation is all around us. Every time we walk out the door, every time we meet somebody, every time we turn on the, the TV, any time we go to a website, anytime we turn on the radio or walk in the neighborhoods, the world is, is tempting you, enticing you to buy this, do this, dress like this, get involved in this, do this. Satan's pumping information in. And unfortunately, our own minds, certain parts of our minds, if they're not fully under the control of the Holy Spirit, can cough up a lot of these temptations or bring them up in the past. So that's why every part of your mind and heart and body must be under control of that. Now, let's clarify something about temptation. Temptation, to be tempted, is not the sin. Okay, or else Jesus would have sinned. And we know the scripture says clearly that Jesus did not sin. He was without sin. So in Hebrews 4.15 it says Jesus was tempted in all things just as we are yet without sin. So temptation is not the issue as much as your response to that. It's just like anger. Anger in itself is not wrong. Until uh, unless you allow whatever it is that's causing you to get angry to turn away from right thinking and proper thinking and appropriate usage of that anger. Or the worry, if you keep focusing on that, you need to make sure you're focusing on concern, uh, constructive concern rather than that uh, destructiveness. Even though temptation in itself is not a sin, it's still nothing to be taken lightly. Because really, temptation is the gateway to sin. We need to be aware that, that the longer and the more we allow our thoughts, our minds, our interests to be uh, enticed by those things, the easier it's going to be for us to slide into sin and to focus on what Hebrews 11.25 25 says is the passion, passing pleasures of sin. Because obviously, at least to most people, sin or certain types of sin can be pleasurable, at least for a season. Or else people wouldn't be doing it. We wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't some pleasure. But the idea of, of pleasure is not the, the goal of our life is not to receive pleasure in everything that we do. God does want to bring pleasing blessings in our life. But the temptations that are around us, we have to be alert. We have to be aware and be focused on those. So let's just jump into a few points, a few steps that will practically help you and I in dealing with the temptation that is inevitable around us. And the first one is just very foundational, elementary. Be alert to the fact that temptation is all around us. We need to be open and aware. Let's look at some scriptures here that kind of just really laid out for us. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that means that if you're not watching, you're not praying, it is, God understands it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a tendency for us to fall into temptation. So we need to be alert. We need to be aware. We can't just go walking around, you know, in, in, uh, in this 
this wonderful uh, Disney World land, everything is fine, and all, you know, all is great, and no problems. We must be alert, because 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says this, be sober-minded, be alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is crowding around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. We must resist him, being firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So we need to watch and pray. We need to be sober-minded and alert. Why? Because the devil is around us. He's looking for us. He is actively seeking to trip us up. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, 13. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful, little eyes, feet, fall, that you don't fall. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. These three scriptures are just three of many that help us understand the concept of temptation. The more we are aware of something, the more we have knowledge of something, the better, our, better we can be at dealing with it, processing it, and making sure that we don't fall to that uh, confusing temptation. Watch and pray. Be sober-minded alert. Resist the devil. And be careful that you don't get too cocky because if you think you're standing firm that you're not going to fall, be careful because... You can. But God is saying very clearly, you will be tempted, number one, but you will not be tempted more than what you can bear. If you are careful, you're sober-minded, if you're resisting, and if you're trusting in the Lord. So these are the elements. Temptation is there, and every single one of us here faces every day, if not more than more many times every day. You may feel pretty comfortable in, in, in what you're doing and fending off temptations. But this message is to help shore up those basic elements of the Christian faith so that you do not let even a little stream of temptation come in. If you have seen uh, how a, a little small stream of water coming through over time can crack up a rock or break up a wall or make a, a big big uh, trench or a valley or a river. Small little things in life. Most of us may be pretty good at fending off the really bad temptations. Just those little temptations to eat that third or fourth donut. No, maybe not. But to, 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 to do a little bit more here there are to look at this or to say, well, you know, it's, I could watch this or I could, you know, it's okay. You know, this or that. It's just little things that just Chip away at you. We must be alert and watch. The Satan's ready to use whatever he can to zap in there, and he's going to run in. It's like it, it seems like every time I walk in my house, I have two doors that go into one room or another. That every time I open the door, it seems like a mosquito can find his way right in and just shoot right in. I mean, I, and I'm going fast, and uh, but that, that mosquito finds its way in that little crack of that door. So watch out for the little mosquitoes that's out there that's, that's going to get you. So be alert to the fact. That's number one. Now, number two, another primary elementary one is you need to make a choice to depend upon God and not your own will. 
and Sandy in a, in a series that I was looking over said this. Your ability to withstand temptation has a lot to do with your confidence and trust in God. Remember the series at the beginning of the year, Firm Foundations, where we looked at lots of different doctrinal and basic statements about God and Jesus, the Bible, and, and our faith? These are bedrock principles that should be ingrained within us, that are never shaken, and so that we can stand firm. If you truly believe that God is good, that he's our creator and our sustainer, if you're certain of that, not just aware of what the Bible says. Being aware of what the Bible says, well, that's nice. But that's not what gives the power. It's believing it and putting your trust in that. You and I, no matter how big or bad or rich or powerful or how many friends you've got or whatever, you are not capable in of yourself to fend off all the temptations that can come your way. They do pretty good on some. But we, as sinful humans, we have that tendency to allow sin, sin to come in on us. So, do not think, like that last scripture we read others says, watch out so that you don't fall if you think you, you're too confident. Trust in the Lord. So, let's look at a couple of verses. This first one is probably one of my favorite verses, my theme verse in a sense. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you've got x-ray vision, you can see that. Read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. All right. Good. Lester, you can see that one? Yes, sir. Lester's got new eyes, man. He can see now. He can see that. So I wanted to test his vision. But you did good this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We must realize that we need God. Now, we need to have self-control. Because you remember the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. We are to have. That's part of it. But the thing is, if we aren't living in the Spirit, if we aren't allowing the Holy Spirit to live within us and to produce that self-control, you don't have it on your own. Now, we have a limited amount of that because... You can see in the world, people who are not believers in Christ have some self-control. They, they, they control their, themselves. So there is a human element. But you see, if you continuously depend upon your own sources, what you're doing is basically say, God, I don't need you until I need you. And then uh, step right in and, and, uh, and fix everything, and then I'll take it on from there. But see, the Christian the authentic, genuine Christian faith is one that walks in faith, that is consistent, that allows the Holy Spirit to continue this constant contact and awareness. John 15, 5 gives us that clarity on just how constant it should be. John 15, 5 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides or remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So it's very clear here that Jesus is saying the branches and the vine, if, if grapes are going to grow, they're going to have to be attached to the branches, which is attached to the vine. Without that connection, the, 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 the branch of itself is not sufficient. You and I may be a branch, maybe a big branch, 
may produce a lot of stuff, but you're not producing it. I'm not producing it. It's the Holy Spirit of Christ moving through that that produces that, that control. So, if we want to deal with the temptations, which come and are going to come, and I would probably suggest they're going to increase as the world gets more and more removed from a focus on God and on the Scriptures. Uh, sin and uh, those things that the morality are going to, to prosper in this society. So, remain in the vine. And then Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 gives us a, a little bit more spiritual aspect of it in a, a religious sense. For we do not have a high priest, priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Right here, it's clear that God is saying, listen, trust in me, abide in Jesus, and if you do, Jesus then is going to comfort you. He's going to intercede for you. He's our high priest. The high priest who is without sin, he's overcome all temptations, he's covered it completely, so he is the source. Wherefore, we can have confidence when we come and pray and say, Lord, Grant this request or help me deal with this temptation or with, with this issue that's coming up. But as I mentioned in many of these uh, questions and sermons, there's a protocol to follow. We don't just come to God and tell him what we want. It's not a smorgasbord. You know, it's not Burger King, have it your way. It's follow his way. Thy will be done. God wants to... For us to submit to his control and his power. That does not mean we're weak. It does not mean that we just give up our own way of thinking. And we just are blind, you know, just kind of dumb and, and uh, just follow blindly whatever goes on. God has given us a mind to think. He's given us a mind to process and to ration and to reason. We need to use that. But you, we need to use it through the, with the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through it. When it's, if you grease and put oil on certain mechanical things, they just work better. They, they'll still run a little bit without it, but it's, it's, it gets rusty. It doesn't work as smooth. Keep the grease and the, the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life. Tra uh, 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 attracted to the vine, attached to the vine, trusting in the Lord. And then come in with confidence and trust that the Lord is going to do it. So, number one, be aware that temptation is all around us. Be alert. Be sober. Resist the devil. Trust in the Lord. Stay close to Jesus and come in confidence and pray. That's the first step. I think that I got another, actually another scripture here to kind of reinforce that. James 4 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, be aware of your sin, beware of the temptations, beware of the issues out there. And then submit yourself to God, and he will help you to turn or to, to, to turn away from that. 2 Timothy 2, 21, 22 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon God with a pure heart. Temptations we need to turn away from. Now there are a couple of different ways that God helps us deal with that. that probably does it away, but two, probably one. Is one is that he walks with us, strengthens us, and helps us to endure that temptation. There are some things in life that you just can't get away from. There are certain issues that, that, that just keep coming. You may not be able to run away. Say like you were running away from somebody who has a weapon or something else. Like you could run away and get away from it. Well, God sometimes strengthens you and empowers you to walk through that. He walks with you through that temptation. Doesn't necessarily remove. He guides you through that. But in other ways, he's warning us certain temptations. And primarily the youthful passions, which is really a code name for sexual sins and sensual sins and immoralities. Those things you just need to turn around and run. Run like Forrest Gump. Just run, run, run. And get away from it. Don't try to be big and brave and bold and say, oh, I can stand up to temptation. So like a, an alcoholic who is trying to, a recovering alcoholic who says, well, I'm going to go uh, eat some of them peanuts at the local bar. They're so good. I'm just going to sit down and eat peanuts and talk to my friends. Well, that's not going to last very long. You know, you've got to stay away from that. Stay away from the things that do that. And I'll address that issue in, in other ways. But Resist the Lord and pull people around you to help you. There was a little story of a, uh, a pastor who went and was a former staff member. I think it was a youth pastor, actually, that was, it, it came up and, and they were at a big conference. It was a, a, a mixed conference. It wasn't just preacher men. It was men and women and the children that were there. And the, the youth pastor came up to his old uh, pastor and said, listen, things have been going good, but I'm Got a little issue uh, at my church. Uh, there is a lady there uh, that just, well, she's married, but she's separated. She just keeps coming after me and tries to entice me. I don't know what to do. And the, the pastor said, well, it, it is, are you ever alone with her? No, no, never alone. But in church with all people around him, said, well, you know, there is safety in numbers. But he decided to kind of put a little joke back on him, a, a biblical text joke. He says, okay, well, yeah, there's safety in numbers, but there's more safety in exodus. Numbers, exodus. You know, just because you're, you may be safe in numbers, you need to be, you need to exit that situation. Get away from the sin in your life. All right, so let's look at the third one. This is where that kind of leads and kind of segues into this. Take, take steps to ensure you are not contributing to the problem. Don't add to what Satan and the world is already throwing at you. Don't give more fuel for Satan to burn you with. Get rid of the things that are unwholesome. Look at James chapter 1. It says, each one, each person is tempted when they are carried away and enticed by their own lust and desires. For that lust, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Thus our lust and desires give temptation its power over us. If I were to walk up to that brick wall and just 
Fuss and fuss. Now, I do not curse, but just in case you have some lost person. Yeah. He goes up there and curses at that wall and just hits on it with a fist and just says all kind of bad things. Is that brick wall of speed that's going to be hurt? No. Is it going to be bothered at all? Well, we're not brick walls, by the way. But when we have the Holy Spirit within us, and if we have, and I'll be talking about it in the next point, the arm of God around us, we can withstand that. But you need to get rid of the things out of your life. 1 Timothy 6, 11-12 says this, But flee from the things of the world, temptations, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you are called and made the good confession to the presence of many witnesses. We need to get rid of things and turn away from things in our life. There may be some books and magazines in your life. There may be some television shows, some internet sites, some video games, some books that you're reading, some places that you're going. Maybe even some relationships that you need to either cut off or adjust and change. Years ago when I, when we, when I was younger, we used to have, you know, kind of like little youth camp revivals. And, and, the, and the, the church would come. They would, a preacher would come and talk about all the evils of sin and stuff like that. And people would bring it. At that time, it was a lot of... Uh, Ouija boards and kind of, you know, kind of ghost type things that were kind of going through. And he, he would come by, and this was one preacher particularly, and said, next, next, next service we're going to have a burning party. Bring all those books, bring all those magazines, bring all those playboys, bring all those things, we're going to burn. And they burn outside the church, obviously. Well, maybe we need to have a burning party, metaphorically speaking. Get rid of some things out of your life. And maybe some people, some things that you need to change and adjust. Secondly, magnify the consequences. Now this is something that I've tried to do. I know, I don't know if my, my, I got my two daughters sitting over here, whether they remember this when they were younger. Uh, they made one of the very few mistakes they've ever made in their life. I mean, they're almost perfect. You know, my, my kids are almost perfect. But they made, uh, they make a mistake. And uh, I don't know, I just was a little flustered that day or something. And I said, well, if you don't watch out, the next thing you're going to do this, you're going to turn into that, the next thing you're going to be a prostitute, you're going to be a, a drug addict, I went down the list. And I mean, it just, it just blew up all over the place. And finally, I kind of caught myself, okay, well, don't do it again. Yeah. You, know, you know, but we, the kind of thing is you're going to magnify the consequences. What I often do is, as... I try to live. I did. I, you know, I try to live as clean and pure as life as possible. Uh, and my desire is to do that for God's benefit and for my benefit. But I also take on the responsibility that I uh, can be an example or a model for you and other people. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. Now, I know I make mistakes, and I'm not perfect, and you know that probably better than I do, but no way it is. But, you know, those, those things... That happen. But I seek to do what is right. And I often use this technique of magnifying the consequences. As to say, I go into a, uh, a store and it has you know, all the magazine racks, you know, all these magazines. 
Now, they don't necessarily have playboys and that kind of stuff on there, but, you know, they have, you know, scantily clad people in these health issues and things like that. When I walk by, I make sure I keep my head turned the opposite direction because, as Pastor Adam knows, we have over 100 kids that come to our daycare every day and they see us. And we've got all of you here that see us. And I would not want somebody, some, some child, some youth, some adult, to see me kind of gawking at one of those magazines. Or even looking at it. I may be looking at the uh, Log Cabin magazine or something, you know, or building a, you know, a DIY magazine. But I'll, I'll avoid that. I will not walk down the liquor aisle at Albertsons or Walmart or wherever. I just will not walk down just won't do it. I've never been in a casino. I don't buy raffle tickets. I don't do anything that, that can do that. Because I think of, what if somebody saw me? And I say, what if I did this? And then the deacons found out. And then they pulled in the committee. They voted me out. And I'm out in the street. And I'll be a bum panhandling. <laughs> with a little sign, feed the hungry. Uh, would you donate? Huh? Would you donate? Huh? But magnify the consequence. And I know I'm being a little silly here. But, I mean, I really do that. <laughs> I really do that. I magnify the consequence because I want to be cautious and say, because it's easy. Because you think, well, I can do this or do this, get a Bible that. You know, nobody's really looking. It's no big deal. You know. But it is. Live righteous. And then thirdly, build into your life accountability by other Christians. Let me read a couple of verses and talk about it. This is an Old Testament one, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one person may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and resist him. For a three-four cord is not easily broken. We need other Christians around us. Now, obviously, that three-four cord is the Holy Spirit wrapping up and, and pulling together those two those two people. Christianity is not a Lone Ranger religion. We need one another. That's why we gather on Sunday morning. One of the reasons is is for fellowship to encourage one another. To support one another. That's why we have our Bible study program. Sunday school at 915. I encourage you. If you're not in the Sunday school program. Bible study. It's got preschool all the way to senior adults. We have classes. Men, women classes. Couples classes. You need to be in there. Co-ed classes. That you need to be in a group. That you can build some relationships. So that if something happens. You, somebody, you can kind of lean on somebody. And depend upon somebody. We need someone to share with. First Thessalonians 511 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. We need one another. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need to stand together and encourage one another. And if we see a situation coming up, maybe, you know, somebody may come along, may come alongside them, a person to talk with and share with and say, you know, I'm a little concerned about this or that behavior or this or that person, you know, uh, you know, I'm concerned. Be open. That means those of us that are Christians here, we need to, to be sincere and people of integrity and trustworthy. 
so that somebody comes and shares something, we don't want to say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. And, and, you know, we don't need to respond that way. We need to be able to listen and see beyond the presenting problem and look to what's beneath. And what's beneath it is a person who is loved by God, created by God, and has fallen upon some hard times and is broken in some way. And all of us are broken. We just, some of us cover it a little better than others. We need one another. All right, lastly, fill your mind with a strong image of Jesus and Scripture. Let your first thought in the morning and your last thought at night be on Jesus. And by the way, every moment in between. Yeah, but the Scripture talks about being in a state of prayer constantly. Now, that doesn't mean you have your eyes closed, you bowed, and driving and walking around. That's not what it's talking about. That's not really what prayer is about. Bowing your head and close your eyes, even though I say it, we all say it, do it. That's not, that's not the biblical mandate. Prayer is just the concept we're talking about here is just this open awareness that God is, is with us, that Christ is dwelling within us. And they were just aware. It's just like if you're walking with somebody, a friend or a spouse or a family member, you're walking with them in a place, you're aware that they're there. And you are careful not to step on their feet or to open the door for them or to... You know, if they trip to catch it, we're there, we're aware. That's just a, this idea that, that God is around us always. And he's dwelling within us. Just be aware of it. And when something comes up, you have a question, just kind of in your mind, say, Lord, what should I do about that? Or if a temptation comes up, well, God, help me, strengthen this. But we need to have a strong image of Jesus. Number one, there's two parts of this. Jesus is the first part. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Let those who live according to the flesh have their minds. Let me start that over. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So, what we focus in our mind makes a difference because what you think about, what you believe is going to influence all the different aspects of your life. The second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. But though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world. The weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is the key verse in a prayer that I use nearly every day. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what, as I mentioned, I say, Lord, take, take captive my thoughts and help me obedient to the image of Christ that I have. I've, I've done this about twice over the last 11 years. I've preached a sermon. It's really a, a story uh, about your heart, Christ's home. And in the image of uh, the metaphor of, of a home, uh, all the different rooms in your heart and that your heart is at home. And that the different rooms that we need to surrender to God. And one of those was the library, which is a metaphor for the mind. And uh, Jesus, who was walking with this individual through this metaphorical house, was talking. He says, well, this is going to be tough. I know there's a lot of images and things in the world that's all pumped around you. 
But if you will take this, he said, take a, a picture of me and hang it center and focal point in your mind. And then when temptations come, look at me. You see, the scripture says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the architect of our faith. As we talked about with anger, guilt, worry, fear in the past, same thing with temptation. Those things are going to keep coming. All those things are going to keep coming. Becoming a Christian does not take away temptation. It does not take away the, the provocations of anger and worry. It's how we deal with those and allow the Holy Spirit to flow within us. And if we are focusing on Jesus, our eyes fixed on Him, then we're going to see Him in all of His glory, His power, His majesty, how much He loves us. And it's going to give us the confidence to say no to that sexual temptation. No to that financial or illegal thing. That immoral thought or that activity. Or this relationship or this activity that I'm doing. Even though it may be pleasurable to, at some point, God's power, if you imagine Christ. And, and it was a song that, this is an old song that I, I sang probably 30 years ago. And it was, a, about, it was an image of Jesus on the cross. And the song, I can't remember all the lyrics, but it was, the essence was that every time you sin, it's as if you pick up a hammer and drive another nail in the hand of Jesus. That kind of goes along with that magnify the consequences. And I'm not trying to get gruesome and I'm trying to manipulate. But we need to understand and focus on what Jesus did, did, does for us, how much he loves us. And that gives us that confidence to be able to say no when we need to say no. And help us. Secondly, turn to scriptures. And I put this on there. Nice little beautiful portrait. It's a very familiar one. Psalm 119, which we're reading through on Sunday mornings. This is verse 11. Your word, or thy word, the King James, have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. I've hammered this from day one for eleven and a half years. Read your Bible every day. Study it. Hide it in your heart. Meditate on it. Learn it. Now, I know as we get older, and one of these days I'm going to get older and I'm going to start, you know, losing my memory. Uh, obviously, I've started already. But, you know, when we, when our minds are not as easy to memorize. But that doesn't mean you can't try. You know, keep some cards in your pocket. Put it on, like on your refrigerator or in your car or in your office. Have some scriptures available. Hide it in your heart. Study God's Word. Know it. Hebrews 4.12 which we see here in the little image of the sword. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged double sword. Penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, is able to judge the thought and the intentions of the heart. The word of God. Now when we talk about the word of God, we're not just talking about just the Bible. That is the word that contains the word of God. But Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is that is the one that, his spirit that flows through this scripture. Because these Bible verses in here, they're not magical incantations. You can't say, you know, you know some Latin phrase like Harry Potter does and something happens. No, that's not the way it works. We don't worship this book. This book guides us in how to worship the creator of all things. But it is a guide, it's a source, it's the best resource that we have written and available to us. Uh, outside the Holy Spirit. Of course, without the Holy Spirit, it's not it's useless. 
It's just words on a page. You know. So the, the bottom line here is, is focus on Jesus and realize that he has given us the Holy Spirit and let that strengthen us and encourage us and shield us from sin like this picture here, the arm of God. And I preached the whole sermon before, so I'm not going to spend much time on it, but just to remind you. The helmet of salvation reminds we're saved, but it also protects our mind. That's that idea of taking captive every thought. Claim that every day. The breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Realize that we are to be a reflection of that righteousness. So when you walk, when you talk, the way you dress, where you go, what you say and do, you are reflecting something about Jesus. Good or bad. We need to be conscious on that. A belt of, of truth, truth, the absolute truth, the truth of the Word of God, the shield of faith, which we can extinguish the missiles. So faith is bilateral. The sword of the Spirit, which is symbolic of the Word of God, and then our feet protected by the gospel. So this just gives us a, a metaphorical idea that God wants to protect us. You get dressed up like this, not to go walking around and, and reenact. You get dressed like this for battle. We need to be ready for battle. We don't get dressed up and say, okay, I don't have to worry about anything now because I'm dressed up, I'm living right. No. We're going to get in battle. We're going to be fighting this temptation because if we don't run into temptation and turn away from it, then our faith is not strengthened, our witness is not made known, and we become weak and flat. We've got to get out there in the battle. We've got to, this world is a battle. But be armed, be ready, be focused, and it will focus on that. And faith is a key element. And this is the definition. David Hague in his book said this. Faith, which is a life-dominating conviction that all God has for me through obedience, is better by far than anything Satan can offer me through selfishness and sin. That's that replacing the desires of the world, replacing these selfish things, with Christ and letting Him, as we sang this morning, as the deer pants through the water, we we desire to know Jesus and to love Him and to flow through our heart and to have this aspect in our life. It's vital and it's important, and that's because we need to be careful. Temptations all around us. Submit your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your hands, your feet, your heart, and mind. Submit them to God. Trust in Jesus. Put on the arm. <coughs> Submit to God. Resist the devil. Be alert. Be ready for the battle. Life is not about ease and comfort. We like that. But most of us realize that's not the way it is. So let's just take on the battle. Move forward with God as our strength and our faith and our witness. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.